Welcome to Apartment 309 Podcast, the one-sided storytelling podcast where I dive into true crime or the paranormal and tell it to my captive audience boyfriend while he reacts occasionally. Basically just recording part of our normal day. I'm Lauren. And I'm Eric. And we live in in Apartment Instead of getting into the news, which I'm sure everybody's on the same page, the government said they had not human biologics. So maybe a banana on a ship. A banana. It could have been a banana. Actually, bananas share a lot of DNA with humans. Okay, but not what everybody's hoping for. But I still believe they just skirted around the issue and they do have aliens. But yeah, of course me. they skirted around. The guy's like, I know someone that saw an alien. Yeah, so do most of us, champ. <laughs> most of us? I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, my you know, Aunt Rebecca went out driving around and found an alien spacecraft. Yeah, we all know somebody that supposedly saw an alien. I could have gone up there and spoken and come up with almost the same conclusions, unless you want to go behind closed doors, in which case I've got a lot more information. Right. Well, we can just share it here. I was really upset with that, but at the same time, I choose to believe. Also, did you see um, What's-His-Face from Blink-182? Not Mark, not Travis. Tom. Tom, thank you. <laughs> There's only three. <laughs> the, the other one. Uh, no, the, when, when they were doing their tour, he was on stage and he's like, I told you! <laughs> and then they... <laughs> yeah, he's like, I told you they were real, and then he flipped everyone off. That was classic yeah i guess if you're if you're gonna be tom you might as well do that i love that i appreciate that who cares life's a joke (laughs) anyway okay so i said i wasn't going to do that did you have anything else you wanted to add about that whole situation about anything in the news have you heard about serial killers in the any of the coasts i have not heard about any serial killers neither just that one but that was weeks ago the one something about the west coast i think Three. One up in like the Washington, Oregon area, one up in uh, Chicago, one down in Texas. Yeah, places you would expect serial killers to be. Does anybody really expect them to be anywhere, though? What do you mean they, you expect them to be? Well, never mind. Yep. I, got I think it. California is like a hotbed for serial killers. Do, have you seen the app that tracks human feces on the sidewalk in San Francisco? I have heard about that, yeah. <laughs> It was That's like terrible. It got bogged down. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't even like make out anything on the map because it was all flagged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I wonder if somebody did it as a joke because I think it's user reported. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is that you you hear about that app and you're like, oh yeah, I need to download that. And so many people did download it and are active, like dropping pins on. Like, are they dropping avoid pins or are they dropping deuces? Right. <laughs> Which is handy. I appreciate that. It was me. That's one of the more handy apps out there, I think. If you're going to be walking around, I guess, riding your bike, get a mud flap. You're going to have to (laughs) make a new plug-in for Waze app. (laughs) Uh, User reported. Heavy traffic. Whatever. (laughs) I wanted to get down to it because I don't want us to run out of time to cover this. 
This Uh-oh. is the second half of our first official two-part story. And in order to not miss any parts, I suggest going back and listening to part one, episode 10, The Ammon's Haunting is what it's called. So go listen to that because we're we're just going to do a quick recap and then we're going to jump right into it. And I kind of left you guys in the thick of it last time. Part two. Part de. Part de. So just a quick recap. We have the Department of Child Services, or DCS. They are starting the process of removing the three Ammons children from their home. This is all after the family sought help at the local churches and were turned away or hung up on or told to rub olive oil on on people and things. Right. The medical professionals saw what the family felt was a demonic attack. They couldn't explain it. They're at a loss, and they're the ones who actually got DCS involved. They're losing it over there. So am I. Yeah. (laughs) Over this whole story, man. LaToya Ammons um, and her mother, Rosa Campbell, they're staying with a family member temporarily. It's just the thick of the paranormal events. The police are involved. Demonic entities are showing themselves in front of other people and how strong their hold is on the children. Uh, The family's been left in chaos. There's no answers, no solutions. They're feeling incredibly vulnerable. As I said last time, it's a pretty dire situation. They are in an absolute kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. That's a dumb word. Hey, we forgot we were doing words of the week. That's that this be... week's word of the week. Kerfuffle. Is that a C or a K? Um, you know, now I have to pull it up. Kerfuffle. I don't know. And, you know, it's one of those words that I guarantee is used incorrectly all the time. It's, By you. it's spelled exactly the way I thought it was, though, which is K E R F. U-F-F-L-E. It's a, it's a disturbance or, co- or commotion, typically caused by a dispute or conflict. We frequently get into kerfuffles. Kerfuffle. <laughs> Let it be known that Apartment 309 Podcast is also an educational endeavor. No, it's not at all. It is an educational Please endeavor. Please don't come here thinking you're going to learn anything. We are a school. No, we are not. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Whoever keeps honking their horn out there, I'm going to fire them. They know what we're doing. You're fired. I'm going to yell it off the front porch. Excuse me, you're fired. (laughs) Excuse me. We have an enormous project. (laughs) Excuse me, your horn is very loud. (laughs) It's the loudest horn that we have ever heard. They tell me, sir, there's a horn outside, and I tell them, okay. So dumb. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. Okay, so getting back to the story. I wanted to paint a little bit of a better picture of a basement. I, scrolling through Instagram, noticed that people don't know what basements are in some parts of the country. Other parts of the country, they're everywhere. Uh, Some parts of the world don't have basements either, and it's all to do with, like, your environment and the ground and stuff. Sure. Anyway, so they're all slightly different wherever they are, and... In the Midwest, like Indiana, basements are pretty common. Almost every house is able to have a basement due to the composition of the soil, which allows them to have it. Some places are like hard clay or or rock. They're not going to, but in Indiana, they do. Some of the basements are left what we call unfinished, meaning it's just kind of the bare bones structure. It's a cement foundation. 
and either cement flooring or the dirt flooring because they never filled it in. Being as the Ammons house was built in 1926, the basement of 3860 Carolina Street was never finished. It did have some cement flooring down there, but it was cracked in places, and it's not a very inviting environment. It's very dark, it's spidery, it's musty, it's the basement. (laughs) It's the basement. So with all that being said, let's hop back into the story. Part two. LaToya, the children's mother, was unable to move from the house due to her financial situation. Feeling stuck and hopeless, the hospital chaplain that heard about all of the commotion going on upstairs actually called for backup, and they finally got a hold of Reverend Michael Maginot, I think is how you pronounce it, Maginot, Maginot, I'm just going to call him Reverend Maginot. The Rev. The Rev. The Reverend went to interview the family before agreeing to help with any kind of a possible exorcism. Because I think that's what the hospital chaplain kind of implied. Hey, my guy, we got demons upstairs. Right. Yeah. As one does. As one does. Phone a friend. (laughs) One one of your three lifelines. A flickering light. So Reverend Maginot goes over to do this interview. And the grandmother... Uh, Rosa points out that there is a flickering light in the house. I think it was in the bathroom down the hall from the room that they're in during his interview. And it just keeps flicking on and off, on and off, on and off. And he would go to investigate to see what was going on. Maybe it was a loose bulb, something. It's kind of annoying when that keeps happening out of the corner of your eye. But every time he went near it, it stopped flickering. Every time. And it was just when he would go near it, it would stop flickering. And then... He would go back into the other room and it'd start again. And he'd go back, try to figure out what's going on with the light. And it would stop, stay on. And then, again, he would go back and it'd flicker. As he's going back into the living room, remember Grandma Rosa? She kept noticing the big, wet boot prints. Oh, yes. I remember Rosa. He saw them as well. He, he said they were just large, wet boot prints. And they appeared in the living room. He knows who's in the house. He's the only person in that house that might even come close to having boots that size, and he didn't, and they're wet, and he sees them trailing around the living room. So this and other parts of his interview with the family convinced him that they weren't just being tormented by demons, but there was also a ghost in the house. And he attempts to help them with prayers and holy water, telling the two women that they do need to leave the home. That's that's what he left him with. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thoughts and dude. prayers. Yeah. Try to not live there. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Big bucket of thoughts and prayers. Thanks, Rev. So DCS and the police are dispatched to the home to go check on the living conditions as part of the inner or the investigative process with removing the children from the home. It's what they have to do. This is when Captain Austin of the Gary Police Department said that his thoughts on the supernatural shifted from being a skeptic to him actually becoming a believer in the supernatural. LaToya refused to enter the home. They packed a bag. They were living at somebody else's house. Rosa goes in under her self-proclaimed birthright of protection, and she escorted them inside. She gives them a quick tour of the home. And it was noted that directly under the basement stairs was a broken slab of cement on top of that dirt ground that we discussed earlier. Uh Uh-oh. 
and it's only broken underneath the stairs. As the officers proceeded with the interview, their audio recorder began flashing the low battery indication light, although the officer noted that he had replaced the batteries the day before. He's not coming in believing there's a ghost here. He's coming in believing he needs to do a welfare check on a a family under duress. Sure. (laughs) Batteries dying is a good indicator, though. So it's commonly agreed amongst supernatural enthusiasts like myself that spirits can use the energy to charge themselves. They harness the energy from things around them, including people, and drain that energy and just burst. So it frequently happens right before something else happens. That's typically unexplainable. So when they play the recording back later, it's actually noted in the police report that the word, hey, was whispered near the microphone, and the voice was not that of anybody that was documented of, as being in that room. And like I said, they added it to the official Lake County police record as evidence collected on scene. It's part of the file. Oh, interesting. Hey. Hey. Hey, <laughs> hey y'all. Just doing a quick old haunting now. <laughs> oh, everybody likes a good haunting. I'm glad everybody <laughs> gathered. <laughs> I'm going to get you. Part of the file. There were also some photos taken, one of which showed what looks like a shadow figure standing on the front screened-in porch where all the flies had been gathering through the Amos stay at the rental home. And I will grab that picture if I can and post it for you guys on Instagram. And I'll try to figure out how to do it on YouTube, but I'm not going to make any promises. There's a cloudy white face that was found in a photo taken in the basement, and after they had it enhanced, like, enhance, Horatio. Enhance that. Enhance that. That's that's not a thing. We don't, we can't do that. <laughs> it's enhanced. You can't enhance it any further. <laughs> a feminine, green-hued face also revealed itself in the same picture as the cloudy white face. The captain noted that the garage door refused to work for no apparent reason. The There was no blockages. There's nothing holding it back from being opened. There's no electrical issues. For all intents and purposes, it should have been working, but it, it the motor just wasn't pulling the door up. And that's when he noticed in his own personal vehicle that was parked on scene because he's not there clocked in. He's there in an unofficial manner. Right. And it started to experience electrical malfunctions, one of which was noted as the front seat started moving back and forth of its own accord with no one inside. And it's not one of the pull tabs under the chair. It's an electrical. Right. It would be a little motor. Yeah, it would. Oh, spooky. So DCS chose to remove the children from the home officially, uh, taking them into their custody. The two older siblings were sent to St. Joseph's Carmelite Home in East Chicago, and the youngest boy was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for a psych evaluation. The clinical psychologist who evaluated him, Stacy Wright, noted that he only acted possessed when he was asked questions he didn't want to answer or if he was challenged about something he'd already said. He had a tendency to flip-flop on his stories, changing events each time he spoke about them, And she also noticed that he seemed like a perfectly healthy and sound child, except when he would talk about demons. His whole demeanor would switch to what she called bizarre, fragmented, and illogical. Oh, wow. 
When he decided he was done listening or talking, which kids do that, when they're done with something, they drop it on the floor, they walk away, they find something else. When he was done, he would bring up some things that seemed somewhat normal for his age group because he's about seven at this time. But when you have a, a kid who is undergoing a psychological evaluation and be, you know, being bizarre or illogical, it's a little disconcerting. So he was saying things like, can you die if you go to space? And how do you get to space? Do you have to wear a helmet and suit? So innocent questions for a seven-year-old boy, but when yeah, you I was put it... Say not- too weird. Not too weird, but when you put it in in the context of where he is and who's at, who he's asking the questions to, it's it's a little it's a little disconcerting. It's a little uneasy. Huh. Okay. She concluded that his delusions were induced and reinforced by his mother. The evaluation on his older sibling, the oldest daughter, came to a similar conclusion, stating that she had been unduly influenced by her mother's concerns that the family was exposed to paranormal experiences. Both of these kids came back being told that they're just feeding into their mother's delusions. Interesting. That but, would be frustrating. Yeah, I, to just kind of feel unheard, unvalidated. It's uh, when somebody gets nervous or they can't explain it and they're supposed to be the adult in the situation, you open up a wide avenue for some gaslighting. Right. And this is definitely something that, you know, tacks on to people that are going through through these types of things is there's also a stigma that they're kind of portrayed as crazy and they feel isolated. So it just tends to amplify. Yeah. I mean, a hundred years ago, if we were talking about these things openly, even just with neighbors in the room. I don't know. I mean, back in the day, a hundred years ago, seances were a big thing. And you know, spiritualism was only okay to acknowledge if you had money or bought a ticket to go see it. Everything else was, hmm. you know, if somebody was sit standing on a soapbox in a street corner, that that was not as accepted as somebody who was hosting a party in their parlor. There's there's a big difference there. I see. So although spiritualism was had its moment in history. There were some guidelines that still, you had to be in like-minded company to discuss it. You couldn't just start talking about it in a, a room full of strangers. Right. Which is essentially what we're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even though we can't see you guys, we know you're there in spirit. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Anyway, LaToya was examined several times by different psychologists, all of whom concluded that she was not suffering from psychosis or experiencing delusions. The solution from DCS, since they really didn't have a solid answer, they set up a goal plan to discontinue discussions about demons and possessions in the home and to continue therapy for the children. Ah, uh, yes. It's like they give you the, the sheet of paper and they're like, fill out the questions. And it's like, what are some goals that you can look forward to? What's a five minute goal? What's a one week goal? Circle the face that more closely reflects how you're feeling. Oh, God. Yes. Sad face. Happy face. The face that nobody quite knows what's happening. <laughs> right. They gave LaToya the option to work on those goals during supervised visits, and she was to find a job and appropriate housing due to the paranormal activity in her current home. 
So cool. Stop talking about it. Also, you need to move because your house is haunted. (laughs) A few weeks later on May 10th, Rosa LaToya, Captain Austin, and his two officers from the first home inspection visit went back to the Demon House after business hours. Reverend Maginot, or Maginot, the Rev. It's the Rev. Two Lake County Canine Unit officers and the DCS case manager, Samantha Illick, joined them. The case manager was the only one there who was actually assigned to be there. Everyone else was there voluntarily. The canine officer did not show any interest in the property, and I'm talking about the actual dog, uh, really didn't care, did a search. There's nobody there that was, you know, discovered hiding in the bushes. There's nothing that caught the dog's attention. I don't know what that means. Okay. They took it through the basement. Dog was just like, cool, a basement. Like, do I get a treat now? No hits on suspicious activity, burial sites, or potential ghosts. Illick, the case manager, found a strange, sticky, yet slippery liquid, and that was her description, dripping in the basement. The reverend checked for any pentagrams in the basement, while the officers unburied the following items from a four-by-three-foot hole they dug out under the broken cement under the stairs. They found a pink press-on nail, a white pair of panties, a political shirt pin, a lid for a small cooking pan, socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles, candy wrappers, and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord all of which was documented and collected in official police evidence files. Why was he checking for pentagrams? He said that that might be an implication of demons present in the home or having been summoned into the house at some point. Gotcha. Um, Who's on the political pin? And why are the bottoms cut off of the socks? (laughs) So you can stay warm and cool. (laughs) It doesn't say what... um... What, politician political pin? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say who the politician or what party or who it was for. It just says a political shirt pin. Maybe it's like, I voted. Yeah, it's probably just like, I voted. The socks with the bottoms cut off. Like, I like to keep my ankles warm, but I like a good breeze and I feel the grass beneath my feet. You gotta gotta stay cool and warm. (laughs) connect, Connect with Mother Earth. What if I did that? With my Crocs, instead of just full Crocs and socks, still get the breeze in there, but the ankle coverage, I could get on board with that. Okay. What, yeah. would, what I would call anklets instead of anklets. So you, you're anklets. just talking about like leg warmers. Yeah, basically like a leg warmer, but okay. short. They've taken care of that for you. Okay, so the, the reverend blessed some salt before spreading it around the basement for protection against evil and the group moved upstairs. He just dusted the whole place with salt. Rude. No. Have you ever seen Supernatural? Yes, I've seen Supernatural. Don't ever bring that one up as like a case study on. It could be. You don't know where they got their information? Mm, No. I mean, they do. You do some stories based on other stories, but just a bunch of crumpled up salt and vinegar chips. (laughs) Like as he's eating them, he's just like. Yeah, he brought his out. snack down with him. He's poking around. He's just doing the the finger dust, the little... <laughs> <laughs> Two birds with one stone. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Yep, I like it. I dig that. 
Illick was standing in the living room when she complained that her pinky finger felt like it had been broken. She looked down. Her pinky finger is white. She says it feels broken. This was almost immediately followed by a panic attack, which she felt she had no control over. There was no reason for it to start, but she felt it happening. She was unable to catch her breath, so she dipped. She decides, I'm going to go stand out in the front lawn. It's a better option than hanging around in this house. She's the only one there in an official capacity sent by the state to do this investigation to make sure that the home is a safe place for the children. She, She was like, nah, brah, I'm out. LaToya soon followed her outside after developing a headache and severe shoulder pain. Captain Austin was the next one to leave. He left at dusk, announcing he would not be staying in the house past dark. His two officers stayed inside. This is the captain of the police force. This isn't just some mall cop. This isn't some security guy. The captain said he was gone after dark. (laughs) So his two officers that had stayed inside found a black, oil-like fluid dripping from the blinds in one of the bedrooms. They are unable to find where it was dripping from. They just saw that it was dripping from the blinds and that it was disgusting. So to make sure it wasn't planted there, they used paper towels to clean it up, locked the room, stood guard outside of the room for 25 minutes, then went back in to look. They'd also checked the window to make sure there was no access from the window. The oily goop was back, dripping just down the blinds. The reverend announced that this was due to a demonic possession or possibly a manifestation of the paranormal. And to me, it sounds like ectoplasm, which for those of you that don't know, is like a viscous substance. So basically a goopy, sticky, oily liquid. It's allegedly a sign of the physical manifestation of the paranormal, just like what the reverend said. Gross. Yeah, that's that happened a lot back in the uh, at the seances. A lot of it was proved to not be real, but there are some instances of ectoplasm presenting itself in a crowd, and there being no explanation for it. Spooky goo. Spooky goopy. <laughs> Spooky goop. The reverend wrote up his report, sent it to the bishop Dale Nelchek. We're just gonna call him the bishop. He is the bishop of the Diocese of Gary. The reverend was requesting permission to exercise the Ammons family and their home. It's unknown if the bishop ended up granting the approval, although he did initially deny the request and told the reverend to go talk to some other priests who have done exorcisms before. So when the reverend went and asked them, they basically told him no, and then told him that he should look up other exorcisms on the internet. <laughs> like a normal person, like, Google it, boomer. As one would. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> he's a, sucks to suck. Everyone piles back into the living room after Maginot does, well, the reverend may or may not have gotten an answer after the initial no. So they all go back to the house for one more go of it, including the two original officers that volunteered to be there. The case manager... And the reverend himself, obviously. They all spent the next two hours blessing the house with prayers and statements and requests for the demons to leave. Illick, the case manager, concluded that she couldn't confirm if it was demonic, but she sure had goosebumps describing that it felt like someone was in the room with you, someone breathing down your neck. Oh, spooky. Yeah. 
Now, Illich was convinced something had attached itself to her, as over the next month, she burned herself on a motorcycle, which caused third-degree burns. She broke some ribs jet skiing. She broke her ankle running in flip-flops, and then broke her hand when she hit a table. Which to me sounds like she's just living her life to the fullest. She's not ready to accept that aging happens. It's an absolute bitch. And you cannot start every day with an Irish coffee. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. She's like, yeah, I got hurt on my motorcycle and on my jet ski and on my like. On my flip flops. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I punched a table and it hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you consider taking it easy? Yeah, I was like, what are you doing, girlfriend? I'm possessed. I don't know how old you were, but I'll tell you what, I woke up one day and just things did not work the same. Maybe once in my life I could have gone out and gone jet skiing and motor on a motorcycle and whatnot, but like... I got heartburn. I know. <laughs> one day you wake tennis up elbow. and you understand the Tums factor in life. Yeah, if that's all it takes, I am very haunted. I know. <laughs> As a person. <laughs> I am possessed. I hurt. Right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't I don't get that. You know what? Whatever. She felt like that might have been unusual in her life and that something attached itself to her. We're just going to let her have it. We'll let her have it. To be fair, she felt like something broke her finger, which a lot of this sounds like it's broken bones. Yeah, so. when she was bungee jumping. She was like, oh, weird. Yeah. Skydiving without what? a parachute. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. She got hurt. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Illick. Um, I hope you healed, and I hope you're doing better. Okay, uh, Reverend, the Reverend, was intent on taking these demons on. He wasn't just going to leave it at that. Honestly, it probably had something to do with the fact that he was working in Gary, Indiana. I mean, everybody's looking for something to do out there. It, it, it's it been out of its heyday for several decades. Yeah, this is the most exciting thing happening in that area in He's a like, while. it's freaking demons and a ghost. You've got both. Right. Let's go. And you're on shift. You might as well show up. Right. He's having fun with it. So the Reverend suggests LaToya should look up the demons online. He advised that knowing the names of the demons may give them power to address the demons directly in their fight against them. While Latoya is on her computer looking these up, it starts shutting down and then rebooting for no reason. Just shuts down and then reboots. Shuts down and reboots. She really has no power over this. She's fighting against feeling lightheaded. She had a general feeling of sickness. She was intent on getting these demons' names. So she starts taking the names off one by one. Now, just because I know that some folks don't like the name being said aloud, they feel like it might call attention to themselves or it, I'm just going to say that one of the ones that she does name, she identified as, and I'm just going to rhyme it, so it rhymes with uh, (laughs) Schmielzefub. Wow, what could that have been? They're known as the Lord of the Flies. She felt that some other high-ranking demons were assigned to her as well, ones that she referred to as lieutenants and sergeants. Did you ever watch that one movie? And I can never remember the name of it. It's got Denzel Washington. It's the time. Time is on my side. Not ringing a bell. It's got the dad from Roseanne in it, too. Okay. 
and it's got this demon. I think it's Schmielzefub bumps between people and it keeps following Denzel's character. Anyway, it's a great movie. I just can't remember what it's called. Hmm. It gets stuck in my head every time I hear a story about demons. That song. Time is on my side. Okay, so the Reverend says that he was <laughs> blank stare from Eric. I got nothing on that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know the movie. Yes, honey. <laughs> it's a good story, honey. Come back when you know what you're talking about. The Reverend says that he was given permission by the bishop to exercise the Ammons family. He's the only one that comes over and says that. So we have no proof, no evidence that the bishop actually said, hey, go knock the demons stupid. Get rid of them demons and Gary. By June of 2012, he had performed three exorcisms total. He spoke two in English and one in Latin. All three were held at his church in Merrillville. While pressing a crucifix against Latoya's head, he spoke aloud, I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell and all your fell companions, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gauged his progress by observing her physical state, so he would note when her convulsions got worse, which seemed to be when he was louder and more assertive with his demands. This, This whole time he's demanding for the demons to leave. The two officers, the same two that have been trailing along through this half the story, they stood by ready to jump in if there was help that was needed. They're first responders. They can help if there's anything physical going on. She described, she being LaToya, described the pain of whatever was inside her causing these convulsions, causing this reaction as similar to giving birth. It was that intense. Having given birth before, that's pretty fucking intense. That sounds intense. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a party. Between the exorcisms, the Reverend ended up going on a retreat. So it wasn't back to back. There was several weeks in between each. He ended up going on a retreat where he met a woman who offered help in the form of a note. I don't know why. I don't know who she is. But she wrote down a very long name, which the reverend says he can't remember. She tucked the paper in an envelope before circling it with blessed salt. She told the reverend to call her if the demon was too strong during his exorcism bouts, and she would burn the envelope. He didn't give any more description about what that would do, just that it was heavily implied that that would help. LaToya had moved to Indianapolis at this point with her mother. She was making trips back to Gary to visit her kids, or uh, they were in Chicago. Uh, She was making trips back to visit her kids, who were still with DCS, and to go see the Reverend for these exorcisms. The call was made to have the envelope burned when LaToya started having nightmares again while she was living in Indianapolis. The final Latin exorcism took place in June in the presence of the reverend's own brother. So his biological brother showed up to help support. LaToya left Gary after, after that last one, stating that she felt better. She felt free of the evil that had grabbed a hold of her family so quickly and so intensely. Gary Indiana was now left to deal with the new international attention on that small street in their small town until Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures bought the home for $35,000. He filmed his documentary, Demon House, before bulldozing the property, keeping parts of the basement staircase and the broken cement to bring back to his Museum of Oddities and Haunted Accoutrement. 
And that is the story of the exorcism of LaToya Ammons and the demon house that shook Gary, Indiana. And the story of Zach Baggins. The purchaser of oddities and haunted accoutrement. First homeowner. First time <laughs> homeowner. Somebody yeah. could have afforded that. Somebody could actually afford a home that that price, and he's just over here with like pocket change. Bought it and took it down. Yeah, it's like he had cash in his wallet on hand, and then bulldozed it. Right. Bought the bulldozer, and well, the you guy that have drives somewhere it. to wear all your tap out shirts and hair gel. You know what's really funny is I didn't realize with the the episodes that I've watched, I didn't realize he was wearing black clothes because on the night vision cameras that shows up as white. <laughs> that's all i've got all right well not to make it about zach baggins but you know who i really like from ghost adventures is the guy the camera guy aaron i liked aaron oh i see he was just he was like the big teddy bear i never really watched that show you know what eric you are no fun Hmm. take your no fun having butt and go somewhere else i would say that show was not fun (laughs) That sh- I thought that show was fun. I thought the theatrics were great. Yes, very theatric. Very theatrical. Theatrical. Yeah, ta ta. Well, it was a good one. It's a interesting one. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you know, we got the story from one of our listeners, Patty. She's she's the one that asked us to cover this, and uh, we would love to cover other stories. If you guys know about something, if you want to hear our version of the tale whatever let us know you can email us at apartment 309 podcast at gmail.com i feel like with the whole aliens thing or the bananas in a box that the government found (laughs) i would love to hear if y'all have seen or had any alien encounters well you know as far as if i'm not mistaken patty went to that house and uh, might try to pin her down on a little bit more of her story and i think she told me that she's got images of some stuff that she experienced patty story girlfriend please email those i could be wrong about the images yeah but um yeah we'll we'll pin her down we'll see if she's got some more information because the reason she brought it up was because she's had her own experiences with that house before it went down so i'd like to do a follow-up and just kind of go through that stuff we'll hit you up hit us back we'll talk to you soon all right um for the rest of you like said Email us. We want to hear your story. Paranormal, true crime, alien encounters. Uh, did you go on a motorcycle and get a third degree burn and think you were possessed? Yeah, it better be good. Did you punch a table and break your hand? Right. We want to hear about it. <laughs> uh, please, please don't forget to rate and review. Tell other people how to find us. If you think that we're worth, you know, 40 minutes of your day, tell somebody else about it because, you know, you guys are the best way for us to get heard, for us to stay doing this. That's right. We love you guys. You can snail mail us at Solar Circle LLC, CO Apartment 309 Podcast, P.O. Box 631728, Highlands Ranch, Colorado 80163. I make that long drive out there every once in a while to go peek in there, and it's usually a bill. I would love to see a letter from somebody that is not trying to get money from me. Apparently, it was the closest one we could get. It it was. It's not close, but it's the closest one. Anyway, we hope you join myself, Lauren. And Eric. Next time 
in, in apartment, apartment 309. 309.